Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. Today on our show, as another season comes to a close, we pick up the pieces, we parse truth from story, and we decide our own preferred versions of reality. What better way to pass the time in this, our great American experiment? Join us as we discuss Fargo Season 3, Episode 10, Somebody to Love. Stay tuned. You're tuning into the destination for TV superfan discussion, After Buzz TV. And now, let the buzz begin. Nice little opening. Somebody too. Look at look at these voices. Cover a panel of little Freddie Mercury action happening right here in the studio. I am I'm impressed. Welcome back. Thank you for joining us, ABTV Fargo. I am Lex Michael. I am all over social media at the Lex Michael, and I am here as I always am with. I'm Dave Child. You can find me at MRDaveChild or DaveChild.com. My name is Dave Child. Ooh. I can't wait uh, to talk about this. Oh, you ruined my... I'm Tara Erickson. You guys can find me on YouTube.com backslash Tara Erickson on Twitter at the Tara Erickson, Instagram at Tara Erickson. I'm all over. You could Google me if you wanted to. I'm DB2. Bye. I believe it. That was. I, I bought every word of that. It's good, right? Very, we're very smooth today. <laughs> if you are joining us live in the chat, hello. Very nice to have you here. Keep up with the conversation. Chime in. We will be reading, watching, etc., etc., etc. If you are not catching us live but want to participate in the conversation anyway, you can do so on Twitter using the hashtag ABTVFargo. Of course, you can find our show wherever podcasts can be found. But as always, go on to iTunes, like, subscribe, rate us five stars. We sure do love those sweet, sweet five-star reviews. We sure do. Yeah, it's the only thing that keeps you alive. Indeed. It, li- it literally is. I'm drinking distilled five-star reviews right now. We've actually converted it into a consumable medicine for me. But if those five-star reviews stop coming, You're that supply dead. train's cut off, I might drop right in the middle of a show. And that's just going to be just uncomfortable for everybody. So it's, it's the season finale. Mm-hmm. This is it. This is it. We've reached the conclusion of another Fargo story. Yeah. And... Yeah. And I have a lot of thoughts about this finale, as I'm sure you guys do as well. I feel like this, as an episode of TV and a finale to the season as a whole, gave us a whole lot to chew on. But speaking 
of chewing on before we get too carried away. <laughs> I want to shout out our sponsor for today. Our sponsor for today is Denny's oh, and Denny's On Demand through the Denny's app. Now, Denny's has always been a place, Dave and Tara, where America can come and get their favorite breakfast, lunch, and dinner dishes, serving their guests whatever they want, whenever they crave it. Now, with Denny's On Demand, they've taken that same always open philosophy that is synonymous with their restaurants and applied it to online ordering, bringing access to their craveable diner fare wherever their guests want it. Now, thanks to this new platform, guests have a quick and easy way to place a mobile or online order for takeout or delivery of their favorite menu items all day, every day. If having your favorite Denny's dish available at your fingertips 24-7 isn't enough, we've also partnered with Hulu to give the guests a free 60-day trial of this premium streaming service. For a limited time, users who place an order with Denny's On Demand will receive the complimentary Hulu trial and will be able to enjoy their meal while binge-watching thousands of hit shows, premium original content, films, and much more. With Denny's On Demand, new online ordering, your diner favorites are at your fingertips. Visit Denny's.com and click to order online or download the Denny's app. Ordering the Grand Slam now. Do it. Do it. Do it. On its way. Tell them ABTV Fargo sent you, and they will look at you puzzled. Yeah, they will. Binge all over the place. Uh, I (laughs) I do want to thank you guys for listening, because those ads do help us, like keep this a free thing and that yes. we can keep doing this show and i think that's the only ad we had to say this whole All season. season so thanks for listening and also i love sluice friggins on the chat immediately wrote i am not food <laughs> as soon as he started reading it which was kind of nice put your gun down okay so <laughs> so let's let's jump right in because there's a lot to talk about um yeah. but as always just right up top general thoughts about this episode both as a singular episode of television and also as a capper to the story that we have been tracking for the last 10 weeks yeah i mean i i, I really like this episode and i thought it was i thought it was contained it felt like a chapter it felt like yeah. it was it didn't feel like it was a part two to what happened last week not really it just kind of all was self-contained and it had a as far as the whole season this episode is brought to you by paramount plus get in loser mean girls is now streaming on paramount plus join katie heron as she meets the plastics and tina fey's new twist on the modern classic get ready for more of the rumors backstabbing and jokes you loved from the original movie with some fetch surprises rated pg-13 wear pink and head to paramountplus.com to try it free Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. Season went. This was such a strong season, and this was really good closer, and it felt like it was very contained. I had great bookends, and I just, I just felt like it was such a strong season, and it was a good closer to it. Yeah, there was some juicy blood scenes in there, which I was juicy. like really hoping for. Juicy blood, as well as the two people that I think came out on top are the two people who actually have somebody to love in the end, which I would call Gloria and Winnie. Winnie's got that baby oh. and a bun and her hubby, and Gloria has her son, and nobody else in the show has anybody else really that I could say has somebody to love. Not even Goldfarb, even though she she loves a new business realignment. But I'm just saying they made it out on top with love, right? Okay, right. so that made me happy. I think also love 
having somebody to love and losing somebody to love also yes. drove a lot of people to kind of their final that theme, fates. That theme in there. Yeah. Absolutely. Yep. All right, so right up at the top of the episode, we get this this amazing bit of chance, of coincidence, of uh, you almost might be tempted to say that a cosmic hand may in fact be guiding certain events. The timing of this phone call that Gloria receives, just as she is about to quit the sheriff's department for good, walk away, have no more to do with any of this. Mm-hmm. If yeah. that call from Hamish Linklater had come 10 seconds later, she would not have been there to receive it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I also like in that little opening the uh, seeing everything in paper, mm-hmm. seeing the these uh, based off of uh, uh, a true story. Yes, everything yeah. kind of concrete, something you can hold. Where I, but also knowing that those are also lies, right. <laughs> and having kind of seeing everything laid out on paper in two different ways. I thought it was just a great opening and kind of into what's happening with the IRS guy. Yeah. And also with Gloria, who's uh, resigning at that moment, too. Also because the paper trail is what got Viambarga in, like, he gets caught in the end. So it's right. like paper trail right off the bat is like we begin with that and kind of yeah. we end with it, except without seeing it. Yeah. And we also have to remember with Gloria is that she, we saw in last week's episode... She kind of became real with mm-hmm. Winnie's great hug. Mm-hmm. Uh, and she's looking to be make more firmer decisions. In yes. Life. You get the feeling like she really wants to find her place and where she is. So that's where I think the resignation was coming from. Yeah, I got a sense of, even though Gloria, as, as we've seen, is probably the best police officer in that building... If these guys are never going to give her the respect that she is owed, there's only so much she's going to be able to do in yeah. that setting with her ability. So who could blame her for wanting to wash her hands of the entire thing? And honestly, like Dave, like you're saying, like good for her for actually making a big, decisive choice. Yeah. Yeah. So we do find out, just skipping around a tiny, tiny bit, that it was Nikki that put Gloria's name and number into that file. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that was kind of... That was kind of a given. Like, as soon as that, that file showed up, we knew it was Nikki. But I'm glad that, like, that glo- that last piece of, of paper that was in the envelope was Gloria's name. Yeah. So she could be brought in on it. I think it's kind of funny that the recidivist is the one who got Gloria to go back to work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I do think, too, I mean, of course, uh, 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 spoilers for later in the episode... We do not ultimately get to see the two of them share pie together. No, oh, no I, pie. I was so mad about that. Like you have uh, no idea when he opened the. I can't. I, I'll wait till maybe we get there. But, but, but I do oh. feel like I do feel like this is if not if not uh, as as sweet and savory 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 Whoa. pie. Sure, yeah, chicken pie. Pie. they're chicken pot pies, but coconut pie is That's not, not savory. It's pie. not. But I like to think maybe she would have brought one of each. But instead of okay. sharing a pie, they do they do share in in facilitating. Varga's supposed downfall. I like that right. the closest that we get to them sharing pie is Nikki slipping Gloria's information to this IRS agent. Yeah. Right. Well, do they help out in Varga's downfall? Well, uh, his his ostensible downfall. Now, whether or not that that uh, that is actually how the story right. plays out, yeah. I right. think, and we'll get to this because this is maybe my favorite part of the season as a whole, uh, yeah. is ultimately so up good. to the viewer and what story we want we, to be watching. Yeah. Right. But we we'll get. To mm-hmm. all of that. Meanwhile, we see Nikki and Wrench are are arming up, mm. and I guess I guess we're supposed to infer that maybe Wrench is somehow bankrolling 
this operation because I'm not right. sure where Nikki would have gotten the funds to put even just the arsenal together. Like she's right. very, she's very clever, and I'm sure she right. could have figured it out for herself. And this is not necessarily of massive importance. But I found myself wondering in this scene, I'm like, oh, how are they? Well, they're funding they, this operation. I bet they got the funding knowing they're going to get the money later. It's an investment. They were able to like right. invest in it. And also, uh, Wrench is someone who is needs a partner. Right. Found a new partner. And I love that she now knows sign, sign language, language, right? And I'm like, now and apparently Nikki knows sign language. And I just kind of felt like they both found a new relationship to uh-huh. be in. Like, Wrench found a new numbers and she kind of found a new Ray in a lot of ways that I kind of feel almost bad because I feel like they could have actually been a good couple if yeah. they had stayed together for long enough. In right. a way, if, if nothing else, they were certainly a formidable match. Yeah. I mean, we, yeah. saw, we saw all that they were able to accomplish that you wouldn't have thought at the beginning of this story anybody was going to be able to pull off. Right. right. Now, of course, Nikki, we know we come to find out her agenda really boils down to going after Emmett. But before we get to that... We do see Emmett. He's he's being forced under duress to sign away what I assume is everything he has in mm-hmm. his kitchen at Varga's behest. Yeah, mm-hmm. and it, again, it goes back to the we start off the episode with signing stuff and and how important like a signature is to kind of kind of define who you are in a lot of ways. And we get kind of back to that with Emmett later here with uh, when he's signing all the pa- pieces of paper and he's just so glazed over. And just defeated, right? And then you have you have uh, Varga say sometimes food knows it's food, just on yeah. an instinctual gut level, which mm-hmm. which I is the thing that finally I guess pushes Emmett yeah. to try and take action, right? But of course, as we've seen repeatedly, Emmett is so far outside his outside element his realm, yeah. here. So he pulls, he gets Mimo's gun off of Mimo, and there's a moment where I'm like, Mimo, how are you gonna let this happen? Yeah, right. come on, man. But. I also buy that nobody in a thousand years would have expected Emmett, Emmett to, to, do that. to do anything. No. Yeah, he Never. They, they saw him as defeated. He's done. Yeah. He's he knows he's food. But of course Varga but barely he's not. he's not. But Varga barely blinks. Emmett's got the gun on him and Varga just starts talking to him about are you a fan of progress? Yeah. Technological mm-hmm. progress and he starts he starts spinning this yarn. And if we know anything about Varga, we know that he is a master of using this this wave of information to mm-hmm. essentially manipulate people, whether or not the information is true. And narrative. He uses yeah. narrative and information and storytelling. And technology. He uses technology again by this time lying about technology. Right. But when he says that the the uh, gun that he has will not work because it, it reads a Fingerprint. The fingerprint. fingerprint of the user, yeah. Which is, you know, from a James Bond film. Sure. But it's it's that that that's enough of a pause to make Mimo kind of go around the table. But it's also Mimo does this very slowly. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? And I get too, you don't want to move too quickly because you don't want Emmett to, to catch to, you. To, right. Yeah. But this whole time, Mimo's taking his sweet time getting sweet around the time. table, and I'm just looking at Emmett going like, dude. Keep an eye on it. Like, come right. on. You're this close to actually maybe getting something done for yourself here. Just, like, side eye a little bit. Just a tiny, tiny bit. Right. But also this this idea of maybe, hypothetically, there being a fingerprint scanner on the gun right. is enough that Emmett, Emmett falters just so, and Park is able to just spray him right in the face, right. and Mimo gets him from behind with the fire poker. Mm-hmm. And the first thing that he does is, like, spray his 
teeth and his mouth and yep. Varga's nasty. Smaller nasty animal maw. gone limp in the larger Varga's animal's jaws or whatever that was. Mouth spray. Gross. Ugh. Can market like a tie-in product, Varga's Bianca. nasty mouth spray. Varga's mouth. Ugh. Yeah. So it's called Bianca, right? Bianca. 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 I got a Bianca. Bianca is the nice lady who sells you the mouth oh. the mouth spray. Yeah. And uh. it, and I think well it's it's important to also remember with Mimo is that he's he specializes He's like Varga in a lot of ways, but in a very um, smaller universe where he he specializes in like it doesn't seem like Movement. he's ever paying attention. Yeah. Also, because he's like the dancer. Yeah, he's a dancer. He's yeah. got his headphones in. It feels like he's never really present, mm-hmm. and that makes it so you don't really notice him yeah. because it feels like he's not present with you. So that's how he's able to kind of be invisible and kind of move around the table and get to get to the poker really fast, right? Yeah. Because of that. So. so they they knock out Emmett and Varga tells his people and I love that now suddenly Varga's got this whole squad with him. Yeah. Uh, yeah. This whole armed this little mini battalion. Yeah. And he basically says, All right, wipe everything, we're getting out of here and they leave Emmett and then Varga, Mimo, and this squad go to meet the Nick. Swango. The Swango. Good I old love the swang. The little kid. That the, it's so ominous. He was awesome. Right? But like yeah. the, the little kid being like Swango. Yeah. And pointing. Yeah. Yeah, and also the fact that when they pull up, the kid is playing drums, drums. which is a lot like the wrench in numbers. And by the way, someone on uh, the Fargo Reddit pointed out that I'd never noticed, but the current wrench in numbers um, is half time. It's not a full time. It's They've shortened the time That's because, funny. because of they don't have uh, half of them are gone. numbers right. anymore. Right. It's yeah. just wrench. So that's why it's that's half great. time. And that was an amazing catch. And um, the drums that he's playing are not quite the wrench in numbers. It feels like it's a, but it's reminiscent of it. So as they're pulling up, it feels like we're in that world again. And it does feel like, especially, you know, Mimo, I think pretty quickly starts to get a sense of this is not, something's yeah. up here. He's this the is, first one to say it. He's this like, is this maybe is a not. mistake. And then we get this, this, sequence of them getting out of their cars and essentially being made to walk alongside their vehicles being led in. Mm -hmm. And for the first time, I started to get a sense of, oh, all right, maybe for the first time ever, Varga is suddenly in a story that wasn't the story he thought it was. Yes. He's He's following a different story. He's not the writer of the story anymore. And that makes him very uncomfortable. And Mimo very uncomfortable, too, because he was the one that says, this isn't... Right. Yeah. And they're just walking into this trap at King Midas Storage. Yes. Which yeah, I Var- thought was a nice little, like, greed nod. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, a little King Midas. Well, it's also, it reminds, there's a line, and I don't remember the line verbatim, but there's a line from Inside Lewin Davis, where they refer to him as a King Midas of sorts, but everything he touches turns to shit. Ah. Mm-hmm. So that rung that bell for me as well. Huh, that's yeah. But so, yeah, and then the this... Varga being in a story that wasn't the story he thought it was in the same sequence where we get the kid saying like Swango and pointing as if now like Nikki Swango of all characters, at least in this portion of this story, seems to have been built into this mythic figure. Yeah, Yeah. she's in control now. Vian Varga has always been in controlled environments throughout every single episode until now. Mm -hmm. He's totally thrown out of his loop. And it's kind of cool to see Nikki as like queen. Because I yeah. hope I ho- I always had always hoped that she would run like a kind of a queen bee status and have it actually be successful for her in one episode fully without messing up and for her to get what she wants. Right. And this 
somewhat led. Yeah. So close. Yeah. So, so close. Very close. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, all right, they get to this uh, storage facility, and of course, the instructions are spray painted on the floor. There are two elevators, so they go up to the storage unit as instructed, where they find a note that says, uh, "Leave the money." the The files are in this other unit, and right about this time, Varga gets a text from Parties Unknown, informing him that the IRS has the files. Get out of there. And as this is happening, we see across from the unit that they're standing in front of this door very slowly begin to open. Mm-hmm. So good. And, of course, it's it's Wrench. Yeah, and we also cut to his POV where it's just totally silent, too. So it has that – it's it's a nice introduction of Wrench because we know it's Wrench from the feet. Yeah. But we also hear it because we hear that he doesn't With hear With the anything. sound yeah. dropping out. Yeah. And so, of course, like we're saying, this is now we we've been getting the sensation that Varga is not in the story he thought he was for a little bit. I think this is the moment now where it becomes crystal clear that he is not in control of the situation. Mm-hmm. And as Wrench steps out of this storage locker, he hits the button on the elevator and leaves everybody, including Mimo, to be horribly slaughtered by gunfire. Yep. Right. Yeah. Yep. It's a. Uh... <laughs> I mean that's what happened. <laughs> it's uh, it was it was a great moment because it really was because we also kind of went past this, but when uh when Nikki was laying out all the guns and talking to Wrench about what was about to happen, you saw her also refer to each gun as like um, a, a card. A card. A card. Yeah. So still thinking of the strategy of Bridge and how it's working into this, and and also having the. The two elevators and not quite yeah. knowing which elevator exactly was also helpful because it's it kind of manipulated the the scene in an interesting way because of that. I thought it was strange that it was on the third floor and not the second floor because that left it so the second floor was kind of open mm-hmm. and maybe that's how Varga was able to escape. So I thought they were going to have something on the second floor, but like it's they seem to lay everything out. At that moment, and and just it was very satisfying to hear the alarm that was set, and just like to see everyone just die. I loved it. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and that was the first time we've ever seen Varga be scared. He yeah, was like, like genuinely, genuinely. Yeah, scared. and I was like, whoa, that's great. Also, when he's looking up at the uh, camera, at the camera, yeah, when he's in the elevator, he looks somewhat concerned. Yeah, because he's usually on the other side of the camera. Uh, yeah. He does not like to be seen, and yep. that was such a example of being seen and not in control. Yeah, because of that, he's the guy who who writes the narrative and and shoots it and looks at people. He's not the one being seen. And right. he gives all of his fear away in his mouth. Yeah. Just his slight... Oh, this like constant... He's so great, but just a slight movement in his mouth where you're like, he doesn't... He's out of his element. Like where the corners just start just to droop small, a little yeah. bit. It's almost like a half... Around, it's like, like a, a habit. Like yeah. a, almost like a little dismayed sneer combined yes. with like something uncomfortable is happening in his mouth. Yeah. Mm. So uh, I want to mention this before we move on. This yes. has nothing to do with what we're talking about. Great. But Godson987... Has uh, written that, has anyone mentioned that the episode title might be a nod to a serious man? Somebody to Love was used in the trailer and at the oh. end of the movie. The uh, Jefferson Airplane version. The Jefferson Airplane was. version. I was saying right before uh, we started, am I, am I the only one, guys in the chat, am I the only one who when I hear somebody referring to the song called Somebody to Love, the immediate association I make before Queen is still Jefferson Airplane? And me and Dave That's were so like, funny. yes, you're the only one. Like, you're yeah, weird. You're, you're, you shouldn't Queen. even do the show today. Get out. Uh, 
Yeah. Um, but yeah. that's true. I and that had completely slipped my mind that there yes, somebody to love was was featured pretty significantly in A Serious Man, which of course also starred mm-hmm. Michael Stuhlbarg. Yeah. Right. So okay, so and this, I think there's actually t- ties into that, but we'll talk about that more towards the end of the episode. I think. So all right, this this massacre takes place, and of course Nikki is downstairs waiting for Varga to step off the elevator. And what yeah. I what I love is, of course, oh, now yes. we're we're meant to explicitly read it as okay, he I guess leapt up through the top of the elevator and made his escape that way. But I love the visual of this guy who who up until just recently, for all intents and purposes, has been invisible he's been a ghost he doesn't exist i love that his overcoat has just dropped in such, it reminded me of like when uh when when vader takes down obi-wan and his robe just drops to the floor as he literally vanishes yeah. i thought that was a really cool visual even though we know presumably that varga didn't literally dematerialize in that elevator yeah but do we but you're <laughs> right we don't see him creeping around up there He's like one of those guys, like in, um, there's a great interview with uh, Noah Hawley that I'm going to try not to keep quoting throughout this whole episode, but in Hollywood Reporter, he did an interview talking about the season finale and the whole season three, and he talks a lot about how Varga is, and Malvo are, are based off of these characters in, especially Coen Brothers films, like the biker in Raising Arizona. Right. Mm-hmm. Or uh, No Country for Man. Yeah, Anton Chigurh. Yeah, where they're just forces of nature and almost feel biblical. Like, yes. The way Var... Uh, um, the way of Varva, 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 yeah, Varga, Varga, I'm here, Dave Child. <laughs> I'm here. Uh, the way he is, he's supernaturally evil. It seems like he's able to manipulate reality and really totally change it according to his own whim. Yeah, yeah. he's able to floss his teeth with like a mini steel sword. <laughs> yeah. So yes. yes, yeah. So so No Holly said that. Uh, he was talking about in uh, with Lauren Malvo, who said, I haven't had a piece of pie like this since the Garden of Eden in season one. Uh, he says, and there's a part of me that thinks that maybe he's not joking. I think with Varga, there's a certain Faustian dynamic to where if greed is one of the seven deadly sins, there's always going to be a Varga. There's always going to be a man who says, have you, uh, why have some when you can have it all? As long as there's greed, you're going to have gluttony. Mm-hmm. So Varga is is uh, an embodiment of gluttony and feels almost like a, a devil, Satan-type character who's just a demon who embodies all of that. So yeah, I think he leapt out of there and was able to scramble away. I can't picture him doing that. Right, it's a weird, like very such weird a visual. frail, weird yeah. body. So I can also picture him just disappearing. Right. And in the case of both characters, VM Varga and Lauren Malvo, I love, and I think there was a, another interview with Holly that I read where he, he expresses it thusly, like, he likes the idea that there is a, a hint of the mystical, potentially, to these characters. Yeah. But without ever feeling the need to explicitly call it out. I love that the show, and this has been true of much of the Coen brothers' work, enables you, encourages you to embrace the mystery, as yeah. it were, which is something that I really appreciate. Mm-hmm. Right. More on that later. More on that later. So, uh, Varga has has flown the coop, as it were. Wrench steps off the other elevator, and Nikki tells him that he can keep all of the money. Save for a couple of bundles, mm-hmm. he can keep it all. She's only interested in the brother. The brother. You see how sad that made Wrench... Yeah, it made him like. Even though he's a guy who's carrying a bloody briefcase yeah. and is t- completely covered in blood after slaughtering a whole hallway full of people, yeah, he's like, but 
I liked having a partner. Right. <laughs> you kind of got the sense that he really needs somebody to love. He really needs someone to be teamed up with. And uh, a lot of the power of this season, and throughout all of Fargo, I would say, is about these couples, is about these duos. And here we see the duo finally parting. And there's a part of you that thinks, like, I don't know if that's what she should be doing. Well, I had this thought where, and we're going to talk about this next sequence in a minute, but there was this moment where when when Nikki pulls up on that stretch of road in the truck, I assumed Wrench was with her and was very surprised that he wasn't. Because even though obviously going after Emmett is personal for Nikki Mm -hmm. in a way that it can't possibly be for Wrench. I assume just sheer, if you're going to play, the, if you'll excuse the expression, play the numbers, uh, you're better off having somebody watching your back, even if you're sure everything's going to go according to plan. Right. Yeah. But of course, these characters aren't actively aware that they're living in the Fargo universe. Yeah. yeah. And, and it also feels, I think she feels very strongly that she's on a mission from God right now. Yes, especially after her encounter in that supernatural bowling alley. With the kitten. Sidebar. <laughs> presumably Yuri went to hell Yuri's, we don't yeah, yeah, he's, he's that, down there that was the end of I'm glad we didn't see Yuri again to be honest I'm mm-hmm. glad that Ray Wise just kind of picked him up and took him away um, and that was this kind of God intervention at that moment and it was such a great supernatural moment of this whole season and I, I'm glad that was what happened during that and because it, it also led it kind of messed with our minds in a lot of ways. The same way I think the uh, uh, Peter and the Wolf story messed with our minds in a bit. Mm-hmm. Because when we're introduced an easy narrative, like, oh, this is the Peter and the Wolf story. It's going to end just like the Peter and the Wolf story. Everything's going to turn out like Peter and the Wolf story. It's easy to feel comforted comforted by that. Right. And feel like that's where we're going to go. And that's the narrative. But that, in a way, is Noah Hawley even just putting a Varga on us. Yes. It's like just telling us what we're going to believe, even though that doesn't end up happening. And the same thing happens when you bring up this God interaction. Because you saw God kind of reach in and change the story a little bit, uh-huh. you purposely feel like it's going to end well. And everything's going to turn out okay. Because God has a part of this. Right. You know, and that's where we're heading. And I, that's not necessarily true. And that doesn't mean that because Nikki is sent on on a path by God, it doesn't mean some random occurrence isn't going to come in and mess things up. Right. I and mean, it also, I mean, if we're going to, and this becomes, it could potentially become an entirely different conversation. But if we are to buy into the idea that there is a divine hand mm-hmm. manipulating events to one extent or another, for all we know, all of these random or seemingly random bits of chaos are all part of that grand design as well. The grand plan. It's just, this is not a, this is not the story that we think we're being told. Right. And before we move on, I do want to acknowledge that moment, I think, where Nikki gives up all of this money that I would, I would think she's probably entitled to 50% of. Yes. Mm-hmm. Because it's not about that for her at all. It is all about avenging Ray. I think yes, finally, we got d- that. definitively settles the question of what her feelings truly were. I agree. That's what I wrote down. I'm like, I feel like Nikki really loved Ray in that sense. Like in the beginning, we were like, well, she's for herself. If she could do it with a different partner and still get by with whatever her plan was, she would get rid of Ray and choose someone else. But now I'm like, no, I think change, things changed. To give up $2 million and only take like 10000 Yeah, and yeah, I think that's, yeah, I think she definitely became, that was her arc 
that was like who she became towards the end of it. That wasn't, yeah, that's yeah, yeah. yeah. It's what, but it took us to that moment of her giving up that much money to maybe fully realize it. Yes, which yeah. is a little bit like okay. Well, I think we were definitely leaning towards it uh, for a couple of episodes, but yes, yeah. I think it did take until that moment for me to firmly come down on one side of that debate. I and I think it did for her as well. I think that's what I guess I was trying to say was I think. She did not realize until maybe Ray Wise, until maybe the God interaction, that that's really how she wants to be perceived yeah. and how she wants to think. Because I don't think Nikki from the first from the first episode of this would give up that money. Right. Right. I think it, that she had to go through all of this and realize what's important to her in order for her to give up that money. It and, was looking into the kitten's eyes. Yeah, it was. They did it. It's true. God mm-hmm. and the kitten. Kitten eyes. Yeah, but there is a question about whether she really should have gone after Emmett. Like, I think that's something we should keep in mind, too. Because there's a part of me that thinks... Okay, so in the interview uh, in The Hollywood Reporter, uh, basically Noah said what I was talking about before, about the random interaction will throw things off and make it so you don't you're not so comfortable with the narrative. Yes. But also, I think there's an argument that could be said for she went after the wrong evil, that she felt like the money was important and the revenge was important, but also it was more important to take out Emmett. And Emmett was the person she was supposed to give the speech to that was given to her by Ray Wise. Yes, was uh, Obadiah 1-4. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Obadiah 1-4. So she... What happens when she tracks down Emmett? We should touch upon this when she tracks down Emmett. Yeah, I mean, there's a little bit of business before we get there. Yeah, I know. We're kind of jumping to the more important bits, but like we could talk about that in a second. So let's talk about the business before we get there. And it's just a a little scene, but Emmett wakes up, and of course, uh, as if to rub his face in it, they stuck the stamp to his forehead. And when Emmett goes outside and he discovers in his reflection of his car window that that stamp is on his head, he just tosses it. Just dumps it in the rocks. Which is, I mean, as powerful a signifier as I can think of as to where Emmett is now versus where he was at the beginning of the season when we met him. He's a completely different person. Yeah, well, yeah, and it's, yeah, that was the most important MacGuffin and item of the whole season, and now it's just tossed on the ground. It's like, doesn't mean anything anymore, because human interaction, love of his brother, family is more important than the money that a stamp will cause. Mm-hmm. So yes. the, the way he just throws that is is great. And yes. then he gets in the car, and there was a moment where I almost felt like Nikki put the stamp on him and also messed with his car. We And we never fully, definitively resolve who it was that was tr- maybe trying to drive Emmett crazy. Right, we yeah. didn't. Kilroy on the chat also says, I think Nikki put the stamp on Emmett's head as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, I, I, you don't, we don't know. The only reason that I have a hard time buying that it was Nikki is how much she clearly wanted to kill Emmett. At that point, if she was alone with him, yeah. why, why put that there and leave? It? If, if anything, I feel like you'd wait. If nobody else is around, if Varga and Mimo and the rest of the goons are no longer there, at that point, why do you not just wait for Emmett to wake up so that you can have that conversation and recite that speech? Yeah, but also I think she it would. it's better to be in a random location, maybe, but then you could have a random car come by. And But it's because it's the stamp. It's because it's the stamp, and it feels like... 
I always assumed that Nikki was the one that set up all the stamps in his office. Right. right. In the previous season, in the previous episode. So I feel like that's why I was leaning towards Nikki, but maybe it was just I feel like maybe it was Wrench. Maybe he did it for her. I don't know. Maybe. You know what I mean? He's kind of a random guy who could maybe make that happen. Yeah, and then... So also we have to talk about when he gets in the car and drives away. The car does it run out of gas? Is it is it stalling? Well, this is this is actually the second time he gets in the car. The first time he gets in the car, he goes to the office. Right. And, yeah. and oh, right. And Dave's prediction from last week pays off, and we Boom. find out the Whittle yeah. Goldfarb, played by Mary McDonald, was in fact in league with Varga the entire time. Yeah. I also love the full makeover she has now, and it kind of feels like she's all business. Rather than before, she kind of looked like this affluent, kind of out of touch rich lady, and now mm-hmm. she kind of looks like she's a businesswoman who's doing business and is yeah. focusing yes. on. Her and track. she tells Emmett that it's in his best interest now to file for Chapter Eleven bankruptcy. Very quietly lets him know that she's got some personal money that they made sure to sock away for him, so he'll be okay. But the company that he built is gone. It is no longer his, and for all intents and purposes, no longer exists. Right, Mike and Mike. Also, Mike and Mike will show you Mike out. Mike and Mike will show you out. Um, and then before we tag back up with Emmett, we do get some business between Gloria and Agent uh, we Agent LaRue Dollard. And mm-hmm. they're talking about how Varga's whole big picture gambit. Oh, yeah. I just want to say the business, the new business name is Realignment. Yes. Which yeah. is kind of, it's a creepy name in a way. Because it just <laughs> feels like you're the you're realigning something. And also manipulating a storyline too and manipulating realigning something yes so it sounds like manipulation the the business right okay Good so day. so <laughs> <laughs> so in this conversation between gloria and our friend from the irs we established that varga's whole big picture gambit here was actually legal, legal. if you ignore the incredibly duplicitous morality of the entire enterprise mm-hmm. as long as he followed the letter of the law it's pretty hard to go after him for it, with the exception of the fact that he didn't pay certain taxes where he was supposed to. Yes. Only they would have filed taxes. And so we don't actually get too far into that conversation. And also, you have to remember the exploitation of of uh, Emmett and Cy, the killing the lawyer. Oh, so there's, there's a lot there of plenty. Things. There is plenty yeah. that he did that is, of course, on its face, incredibly illegal. That if the, yeah, if the law knew about it, he would be put away. But still, yeah. that's kind of insane to think of how much he did, knowing that yes. it was one mistake that he made and he could have been probably Yeah, and it was also A-okay. kind of if, if, um, if Emmett and Cy went along with it from the very beginning and there was no Ray... To compete in this, it would be totally legal. It would be totally fine. And yeah. then if they had paid taxes, yep. then it would be it would be just not a story. It would be just like another thing that happened. Yes. So we don't actually get too far into this conversation before Gloria gets a call, presumably from Winnie, who is at this crime scene at the storage facility, where we see we see poor Mimo being wheeled out mm-hmm. on on the the gurney. And Winnie shows Gloria these photos. It's like wait, yeah. wait till you see who we caught on this camera as as perpetrators of this horrible massacre. And it's of course Wrench, it's Nikki, and then wait till you see who the target is. And we actually have a picture of Varga. And a picture of VM Varga feels like you might as well be holding a brick of gold in your hand. Right. Yeah. And the picture was also him by himself, right? So it's him coming down the elevator. Yes. Mm-hmm. So right before he disappears. 
And Gloria says, knowing full well what Nikki is likely to do next, she says, okay, I have to go warn the brother. But of course, things things don't pan out the way Gloria maybe expects them to. And now we tag back up with Emmett as something happens to his car, whatever it is. And he seems to have no clue what it is. His reaction is like, oh, what now? And he pulls off to the side of the road. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And then Nikki pulls up behind him in the truck and again i was certain until wrench did not appear that he would be with her it seemed so strange that they would split up at that point mm-hmm. well it feels like now they've done the business and now it just is about the passion it's about the revenge so it feels like to nikki i think the business is done so i can break with my partner this is a personal thing i have to do because i'm an Agent of God. Sure. It kind of feels like that to me. And especially with what she says to Emmett at this confrontation. Well, the first thing, one of the first things she says is she asks Emmett if he is as low as he can go. Yeah. yeah. Whether you not have room to fall or if this is the bottom. This was a great moment, too, with just Ewan McGregor's acting, where he's just like, I thought I was at my lowest yesterday, and now here oh, I am even lower. So good. Yeah. She's like, he's a kitten now, right? In case, In case you were wondering. wondering. And you get this moment of, you know, he's, he refers to the death of Ray. And even though it was legitimately an accident, he has to concede. And he doesn't concede explicitly, but you can see it in his face mm-hmm. when Nikki points out, maybe you didn't mean to kill him, but you still left him there to bleed out on the floor. Yeah. Also, that moment where it's just like, I love that little acting moment where she's like, oh, you didn't? Okay, okay bye, bye then. <laughs> and then comes back with a gun. That was such a good, it was a funny moment, too. It was, it was great. But you see, you see this look on Emmett's face where he, it seems like maybe for the first time, he's really grappling with how horrible what he did was. Not mm. so much the accidental killing of his brother, though that is certainly not uh, not something to be proud of, right. but the fact that he really did, he just left Ray on the floor there to bleed out and die. Yeah, I mean, in this scene, he, he feels genuinely ready to die. To, when he says, just do it, I'm like, yeah, he's got, like, nothing left to lose. I love, though, first he asks if he can call his wife to say goodbye, oh, and Nikki's right. like, you smashed your, your phone. phone. And he's like, right, oh, yeah. Uh, right, right, oh, right. yeah. Yeah, and then she starts reading the speech. Yes, the Obadiah 1-4. The Obadiah 1-4, which he does happen to remember. Um, where she said she would never remember, and she does. But there's a part of me that thinks that maybe she's reading the speech to the wrong person. She was meant to read this to Varga. And that's why she was waiting at the elevator for Varga. And she, if she had decided not to go after Emmett, because she feels like Emmett is the evil she has to go after, I don't think Emmett's true evil. I think Varga's true evil. But like in this story, at least, Emmett's someone who is weak and has fallen just definitely murdered someone still a mistake you know it's not not quite an evil person so maybe by choosing him and deciding to read the speech to him was when the cop comes up it kind of did feel like it was a little bit of um that cosmic perfection that was happening at every moment seemed to kind of then break because the cop was coming up while she he was reading the speech, while she was reading the speech to Emmett, and it like would, you chose wrong, you died. You now. chose poorly. Yeah. It would it would track a little bit as well with Ray's ultimate downfall being almost a direct result of his inability to let go of something very personal that he was holding on to. That maybe yeah. it would have been long term in his best interest to 
to let go of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So as you say, we get this this police cruiser pulls up, and for about half a second, I was like, "Oh, Gloria got him!" And it's gonna be like this. It's gonna be like a. Uh, it's gonna be like the end of the good, the bad, and the ugly with a weird three way standoff happening. But no, it's just a, a random highway patrolman. Yeah, and as soon as it was a random guy, I was like, "Oh no." Mm-hmm. <laughs> this isn't gonna end well. And so Nikki puts the shotgun on the bumper of Emmett's van. Yeah. And they have a, a pretty tense interaction with this officer. Right. And, and at, at the first end. at first though, when Emmett's just like, Oh, is there a problem officer? I was like, All right, good. Like right. Emmett actually maybe learned something. But of course the dude just the slightest bit of pressure, the dude just falls Such apart. Such an idiot. That was hilarious. So I laughed out loud when he was like, damn it. And he's like, she's the one. I'm harmless. Like, he's like losing his mind yelling how harmless he is. And yeah. and he, he tells the cop point blank, like, she's got a gun. And Nikki this whole time has been inching back towards where the shotgun uh-huh. is. And Emmett's out of the vehicle. So I'm reading this as maybe like, all right, Emmett, Emmett being an idiot and and blowing this situation in front of the officer might be what actually gets him killed. His naivete, his crumbling under pressure might actually be what does him in ultimately. Mm-hmm. But no, Nikki grabs that shotgun and bullets fly and they mm. all fly right past Emmett. Yeah, and it also made me think at this moment that it's Emmett's crime, Emmett's punishment seems to be getting away for free and like surviving. And seems to always kind of... Because he's so wrecked with guilt at this point that it does feel like this isn't a victory for him. It's kind of... And there was that moment when, when I'm sorry, when Nikki had the gun on him and he was like saying, just do it. Like, I don't just do it. And she kind of, her face changed. Meaning like, I was like, what is she going to do? Are you going to actually give up now and be like, where should I take this? Right. And then the cop pulled up. Where I was like, she looked like she was having a turn of events as to whether or not she was actually going to fall through and shoot Emmett. Yeah. So I feel like there was still one of those things. He maybe still would have even gotten away from Nikki somehow. I don't know how, but her face did kind of show that she was having a bit of an internal struggle yes. with that. But but as we see, unfortunately, the cat does not get away in this story. No, no. We get and much of the sequence is in these beautiful wide shots, these absolutely gorgeous shots. But in yeah. one such shot, the bullets fly, both bodies fly back, and we get... The classic Fargo music kicks Fargo in yeah. as we slowly pan over the bodies and we see Nikki with a hole square in the middle of her head. Mm-hmm. And Emmett bails. Emmett yeah. gets in his car and he gets away scot-free. And it kind of fast forwards to when Gloria shows up and then Gloria's just standing alone. In this Another great wide shot of just alone in this kind of chaos mm-hmm. and sees what happens. And then just says, okay, then. As it returns, the highway stretch returns to normal. Yeah. Almost yeah. like it never happened. And it's one of those things where the, the series could have ended there. Yes. If it wanted to, it could have ended there, mm-hmm. and it would have felt like the most nihilistic thing ever. Because it, it, defi- it basically said, like, listen, it doesn't always turn out perfectly. Because this, this was the twist that it didn't end up cosmically working out. If it ended right there, because Varga's still out there, Emmett's still... Emmett goes and finds, after this, Emmett finds someone to love. He goes, goes back, back he, and wife. breaks down holding yeah. his wife. And his wife takes him back. And we yeah. get a time jump, but I really, really quick, little scene between Gloria yeah, and, and her son. Yeah, and her son, like, what she that, tells him is so good. I love, too, that she pulls over the school bus so that she can have yeah. a conversation yeah. with her son conversation. over popsicles. Yeah. But there's a line, this 
fantastic line in the scene where she talks about not knowing how much to tell him about his grandpa's death. He knows a little bit, Mm -hmm. but there's more to it. It's obviously more complicated, but she wants to spare him that for a couple more years. And this line, this amazing line, there's violence in knowing the world isn't what you thought, which so gets to the heart of so much of what we've been playing with all season. Yeah. Yeah. But okay, so Emmett reunites with his wife. She takes him back, and we get another time jump five years later. So now we're in 2016. 2016. Pretty recent. Yeah. And Emmett's back with his family. And it's also important, like what I was mentioning before with, you see Sai, Sai's there. We're going to speed up a little bit because we have to talk about We got to get to this last scene. scene. But um, Sai's there is still kind of mentally and inca- in, uh, incapacitated. It seems, well, it seems mentally he's there, but physically he's, he's just He's kind of like can't move. Shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It kind of feels like he's a little shot. And then... And but you see that Emmett's happy, <laughs> and look at us together again. And I think the the idea that he's super guilty, and that's why he survived. But then as soon as he gets happy again, Wrench shows up, and he really did. He got away with it for about five years. Yeah. But yeah. then it's like that cosmic justice comes back around, mm-hmm. and Emmett goes to get this Jello salad out of the fridge. And why was that not the coconut cream with the chocolate flakes on it? Because he didn't earn it. God. He didn't earn that pie. Ah. So Wrench with a silencer pops Emmett in the back of the head in his refrigerator. Yeah. yeah. Closes the book on Emmett's dust. Yeah, because Wrench was really did have that connection with with Nikki and I love in the interview on Hollywood Reporter read it. So, uh, they asked him why Wrench came back. Noah Hawley uh, was asked why Wrench came back and Noah Hawley said, "Well, I think he definitely fell in love with her." I mean, wouldn't you? And right. I thought that was a nice little like. Yeah, he did it for her, which is why I was like, if it was a chocolate cream pie with chocolate flakes, he could take a slice and take it to her. <laughs> right. So uh, at now, her grave. Right. So we are we are running very low on time, but we have to talk about this absolutely masterful final scene yeah. where yeah. we have jumped ahead apparently another three months, and Gloria Burgle. She's a big mama now. Homeland she, Security, Department of Homeland Security. And wouldn't you know it, we've snagged VM Varga, yeah. who is going by the name of Rand. But not any Rand. I love that his alias is specifically Daniel Rand. So it, I guess Varg is a big, big Iron Fist fan, as it turns <laughs> right. out. Whoa. Yeah. That's interesting. His name is Daniel. Daniel Rand. I didn't even connect that. Yeah, I thought yeah. for like Ayn Rand. That was first. the first when they said Rand. That was the immediate leap that I took as well. But then he said uh, Daniel, and I was like, oh, okay. He likes uh, likes him some some Iron Fist, I guess. Well, I, we could dive into that. But let's, that was let's that was before the little... series hit Netflix. So he was probably really excited about it. Yeah. <laughs> okay. But they have this this amazing amazing conversation. It's the first time we've seen these two face off yeah. at all. Like they they've been very aware of each other for some time now, and they finally get to sit down and they have this conversation. And the whole conversation is is essentially its perfect distillation of what the entire season has been about, about conflicting versions of, of reality, reality and yeah. about throwing information that may or may not be true at people to disorient or confuse them. The, I mean, honestly, the parallels to a lot of the cultural conversation yeah. we're having now in 2017, I'm sure, are very intentional and uh, brain-tickling, yes. to say the least. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, and he always talks about, like, the fact that he doesn't remember Gloria and the fact that Gloria was able to be there and be remembered and be seen is also very important because that was also Gloria kind of, um, kind of putting her foot down and this is who I am. But at the same time, Varga is even in her, in his speech, able to put a wrench in that, in that theme where, where he says, you'll know who you are when in five minutes someone comes through the door and like saves me then you'll know what the world is and who you are which was like almost like oh that would also work 
that would also work with our theme and what we've been talking about this entire time. Yes. Yeah, I and, agree. And so it's it's this question of, is Varga right in five minutes? Are people going to come through that door that Gloria can't argue with and they'll right. tell him he's free to go? Or is Gloria right and is he going to be sent to Rikers, presumably for life or as long as they can keep him there, while she goes to to the fair to guess a pig's yeah. weight and eat a fried Snickers bar with her son? eat a fried Snickers son. bar. Yeah. I think it's it's fantastic in that this whole season really has been about Oh, we got just, some we got some sound like issues. Mic problems. Disappeared. Uh, so yeah. Am I back now? Are you here? Maybe lean into Tara's no, mic no. for the last. There uh, we go. Here I am. All okay. Right. Okay. So this whole season we're really, going to go a little over. This just whole so this know. whole season really has been about how life, whether we like it or not, is chaotic and random. Yeah. And to get through it, we have to, to one extent or another, tell ourselves some version of some story. Right. And maybe life isn't always going to gel with the version of the story that we tell ourselves, but we have to keep telling ourselves these stories to make sense of the randomness and the chaos. Mm -hmm. So at the end of this scene, at the end of the episode, at the end of the season, we are left with this very ambiguous ending about whether or not Varga's right, whether or not he is about to be right. be allowed to walk. And we get this very slow push in on the door and there's no hint at all either way. And it ends. We cut to black on that in yeah. a way that enables you as an audience member to decide for yourself what story have I been watching. Right. Yeah. And the, uh, we've got a question in the chat that says uh, from Corey Silva, does the last scene have anything to do with the opening scene of episode one? And yes, I think it has everything to do with that opening scene. For one, Noah Hawley has said that they've they made the room in the exact uh, proportions as the opening scene. It has the same clock. It has a clock and door are being seen kind of at the beginning of season one, at the beginning of episode one, and then also at the end of this one. And that was about narrative. That was about Yuri, um, and it was a random scene, but it was about someone mistaking Yuri and thinking that they're that uh, that the, manipulating the narrative because he's there. Um, in this one, it was always talking about the manipulation of narrative, and like you said, and always talking about how the problem with what you believe and what story you want to believe. And that has everything to do with that first story that they told on episode one. This also mirrored, uh, literally, another scene, which is the confrontation with, uh, with Emmett, where it was Gloria talking with Emmett in front of a mirror, and then you see rep repeats of them. You see, like, they're doppelgangers. And you see, as Emmett's talking about his basically twin brother, you see clearly the twin brothers kind of reaching out into infinity. Here we have another mirror that's reaching out not quite into infinity. It fades away as it goes. Yes. It doesn't quite go all yeah. the way back. Which is just how Varga and Gloria tend to be. They both disappear um, within the narratives that are often told about them and which they exist in. Yeah, it's the threshold of reality that yeah. he was discussing the entire time that we're just not quite sure yes. which which one is which. Yeah, so which which ending do you think happened? I mean, what I think is really interesting is that no matter what happens in the next five minutes in that room, whether Varga walks or doesn't, Gloria's still going to go to the fair with her son and guess a pig's weight and right. eat a Snickers bar that is deep fried. That's very but true. She's got somebody to love, yeah, and I, I like that. Even if, even if, quote unquote, the forces of good don't win that day, Gloria still gets to have a happy ending. Mm -hmm. That's very true. Which I like very much. Yeah, 
And I think I think she gets the happy ending. <laughs> I think, I think she does because there's a slow fade where on her face there's a slight doubt. And then right before they pull back to Varga and he goes goodbye and he closes his eyes, the very last shot of Gloria is she has a, a slight smile. smirk on her on her face of like she's thinking about it. It's a possibility with everything she's been through. But I've got this. Yes. Yeah, we saw that at least the narrative in her mind is that, that she's can, winning. Yes. And that's enough for me to be like, cool, because I want her to come on top. Yeah. We have a couple of people in the in the chat wondering if uh if they do another season, which hopefully they will do. Well, yeah, so and we're gonna we are Varga. we're running very low on time, so we're gonna wrap yeah. pretty soon. But it is we Got do to. have to point out, as of this moment, no announcement has been made about a potential season four of Fargo. When mm-hmm. asked about it, Noah Hawley says, "Of course, if the story is there, if he has an idea, he would absolutely love to come back and do another one in a heartbeat." Yeah. The door is open. I think everybody FX as well would love to see more. But right now, Hawley doesn't have. An idea. He doesn't have a specific idea for ten new episodes set in this universe. Right. He's got to work on Legion. Yeah. Yes. So, it, so it becomes a question of if, if, and not when. Really. Yeah. If yes, would VM Varga be back? I don't think so. I would hate to have him back. That's what people no, are. I feel like are I feel like I feel like Wrench is really going to be our the Wrench our would only... come back. Yeah. The only. Yeah. I would like to see Wrench, and I would also think Thread. it would be nice if they tied it into the random cop that was just killed. Okay. I think if it was some sort of connection to that cop, it would be an interesting thread because that is a character that just kind of enters in at the very last moment, and that might be nice. Or it could bring back Winnie. I like Winnie. Would be great. Yeah. Winnie's so great. So uh, really quickly, I'm sorry. What was what was everybody in the chat asking about? That's what they were asking. That was about. it. Whether Vargo was going to be yeah. okay. <laughs> so so all right, guys. We're we're just about out of time. So I we want are. as a way to wrap things up. Final thoughts from both of you guys on not just the finale, but season three of Fargo as a whole. Awesome sauce, amazing kick butt sweetness. Those Wait. are my all my words. I mean, We're like so out of time, so I made it short. I mean, ditto on that. I, I love this season. I thought it was a great, I, I just thought it was so compact and interesting and enthralling. There's so many things I could still talk yeah, about. Yeah, it's a lot. I feel like we weren't, we were just able to scratch the surface on this, so... Please follow us, uh, tweet at us, and let's yeah. now talk about it. Let's I chat. feel like I wasn't able to chat with a lot of people who t- were tweeting at me yesterday because I have to see it very late. I have to see it by the time it gets online. So and please. I watch it in the morning. Yeah, so talk to us, talk to us, and we'll gladly uh, vent our theories. Yeah. And I want to hear your theories too. Uh, agreed. Uh, for my money, one of the best shows on TV. Certainly one of my favorites. And until the day comes where we can come back and talk about the season four. Fargo we hope is forthcoming yeah. we do as, as Dave and Tara are saying we do want to talk with you guys in the interim throughout the rest of time about Please. your thoughts your theories your feelings your hopes and your dreams <laughs> where can people find you guys online guys you can find me on youtube.com backslash Tara Erickson on twitter at the Tara Erickson instagram at Tara Erickson and you can find me at uh, mrdavechild on twitter or davechild.com my name is Dave Child on davechild.com you can find out all the other shows for After Buzz I'm hosting. I'm going to start Preacher soon. We're wrapping up uh, iZombie, Doctor Who. So continue following us on all of the things, and we'll continue talking to you. Yes, and you can find me here at After Buzz talking about Twin Peaks on Sunday nights and all over social media at the Lex Michael. Guys, thank you so much for joining us talking about Fargo all season. We love this show. We love you guys. We'll see you at the Spectral Bowling Alley. Mwah. Bye. 
from executive producers Maria Menounos, Kevin Undergaro, Phil Svitek, and the entire AfterBuzz TV staff. We would like to thank you for listening to the AfterBuzz TV network. To watch or listen to other After shows and post comments or questions, be sure to visit AfterBuzzTV.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of AfterBuzz TV. Okay, then. The views expressed herein are those of the hosts only. They do not necessarily reflect the views of AfterBuzz TV or its owners or principals.